Yo, it's Tim Malcolm, the host of Playing the Rube. How's everybody doing? So, what is this podcast, in case you are not getting into it until now? So, this is me and Dan Walsh. We are playing Out of the Park Baseball 2018 as the 2009 Philadelphia Phillies. And our job is to do a better job at being GM of that team than Ruben Amaro was when he was GM. So, basically, we're trying to out-Rube Ruben Amaro, uh, you know, winning another World Series, keeping things going strong for longer than just three years after 2008. That's the job. We're not doing a good job right now. The team is bad. We have won just 10 of our first 30-so games. It's not looking great. We're one of the worst teams in baseball. We have some reasons why, but other reasons why it's kind of ridiculous. But anyways, we're trying to sort of make things right as we go along. Now, we made a big trade last time. Uh, Yes, we pulled the trigger. The episode ended with us kind of in limbo, but we did make the trade. We'll talk about that at the top. Then we will get into a series where we play the Cincinnati Reds. Plus, we're going to address some third base possibilities, uh, some options, and some holes that we need to fill. So, a lot going on in this episode. It's a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, You can find Playing the Rube on Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn, and at YouTube.com slash Phillies Nation. This is a Phillies Nation podcast, so if you just look for the Phillies Nation podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find podcasts, you will find both Playing the Rube and Phillies Nation podcast. Uh, We come out every other week with these, so this will come out, and then next week a Phillies Nation podcast will come out, and then the week after that a Playing the Rube This comes out every Friday, or excuse me, every other Friday, and that is how it works. All right, are you ready to play the Rube? Let's go. Brad Lidge stretches. The 0-2 pitch, swing and a miss, struck him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2008-2
Then I came back. Dan was there. And I asked him, so, Dan, did you hear the press conference? What did you think? I did. So, so why don't we talk about that? Let's start there. We should talk about it as if we're just the only two people in the room talking about the press conference. It's a good idea. <laughs> so, so what was what was the best part? Do you th- well? No, let me start with this. What was the worst thing? Do you think uh, I said in the press conference? The worst thing you said. You know, you and I tend to agree on things because you you hired me essentially as your yes man, it's which true. is a pretty easy job. Um, the worst thing that was said overall, though, I think, is just this. I'm getting the sense that there are a lot of doubters people aren't believers in you and me in the job that we're doing well i it is you know it's it's a relatively still young concept you know i know moneyball came out and that was a big deal recently but there's not a lot tampa bay last year had a lot of success what do you know but there's not a lot of i think overarching you know thought i guess or 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 group think about what we're trying to do, and that's get a lot of cost-controlled young players who have very clear roads to stardom in the league, but obviously are not yet established, and they have the outlying characteristics of being star players that aren't, you know, you're not seeing, like, major league numbers here for most of these guys. So, yeah, I think what we're doing is a little ambitious, and people probably don't get it. And, man, Eskin didn't get that crap when he asked about... Uh, if I'm selling this team down the river and making the fans have to pay money for uh, nothing at all, um, he's such a turd. (laughs) (laughs) I think, yeah, I think there's a lot that he doesn't get. And one of the the hardships, especially with um, kind of the, the moves that we're making here is that we are losing a player who has a, a wide following in our city. He's beloved, especially for his contributions a year ago. So, even though we're making a move that I think is forward-thinking and will help us in the future, and perhaps even as soon as this season, it's one that some people still have to be sold on. I mean, let's be honest. We traded away two guys who are really well-liked and made really big contributions, especially in the playoffs, had big moments in the playoffs, too. So don't sell that short. I mean, we, we gave away two well-liked players, you know? Um, man, I mean, do you feel like – so when you woke up this morning, because we did this late last night, uh, this big trade with Tampa Bay, do you, do you feel better? How, do you, how did you sleep? I didn't sleep at all, not so much because I'm worried, but because I have so much confidence and excitement in what we did late in, in the later hours last night. Yeah, I mean, I'm weird. Like, I don't – I get excited, but when I get excited, I get sleepy. So I slept like a baby last night. And I only slept for three hours because we got home so late, and I had to be up early for the press conference and to get all this stuff sorted out and get all the paperwork finished. But, man – I just feel great. I mean, when you look at this rotation and you see that after Cole Hamels, you're going to have Scott Kazmir and David Price and Jeremy Hellickson, all really good players under the age of 25 or under 26, that's incredible. Like, that, I mean, come on, man. Like, this is, this is a new day for us, I think. Okay, so here's the deal. We sent Shane Victorino and Joe Blanton to the Tampa Bay Rays. In exchange, we received pitchers Jeremy Hellickson, Scott Casimir, David Price, and Jesse Crane, reliever, also receiving infielder Brian Dozier. That's a haul, right? Pretty good haul, I think. We have the Rays World Series Game 1 starter in Casimir. We have maybe their top pitching prospect in Price. 
another top pitching prospect in Hellickson. Crane is a really serviceable reliever who can stick right into the setup role in our bullpen. And the bullpen is, by the way, pretty bad. And we get Brian Dozier, who's a pretty talented young infielder, can play second base, shortstop, or third base, and would have to slot in a double-A Redding right now, as that's kind of where he is right now in his career track, about 21 years old. Good deal. Really good deal. We feel really good about it, to be honest. We were excited. We jumped around. We clapped. We we were pretty giddy when the trade was made last night. We did. I mean, Blanton especially was was kind of was was doing pretty well. He was holding it down. He was a staple in our rotation when nobody else really was, other than Hamels. But Victorino wasn't having a great year when we traded him, so it'll hurt to not have him in the lineup. And I'm sure he'll break out any day. It's not that I doubt him in his ability at all, but it's just that the performance that we've had so far hasn't been hinging on either of those players necessarily. You know, their contributions have been there, but it's not like our team was completely blown up in their absence. So after a little bit more gloating, we start talking about the philosophy of the team long term. What are we doing here? What are we looking for? Well, making this trade, we felt we're looking both at the future, the long future. We can have guys like Price, Hellickson, and Casimir here for many years. Dozier can step in when it might be time to fill in a new role in the middle infield or at third base, because third base, by the way, isn't in good shape. We'll get there in a second, too. But this also helps us for the short term. Yeah, this team is really bad right now. As I said, 10-27. and 27, But maybe there's a chance that we make a surprise run toward 500, maybe to the wild card toward the end of the year. Maybe. It could happen. Stranger things have happened with this team, especially this group of guys. So why not get some pitching that's going to help us refuel? The three guys that we have in Helix and Casimir and Price, they're going to be better than what we were carting out there earlier. Bartolo Colon, Rodrigo Lopez, whatever the heck Brett Myers is doing. This is good. This is really good. It's a big long-term move that still has some good short-term consequences. Plus, Crane can help us right away in the bullpen. This is a really good move for us. We're really excited about it, as I said. So, yeah, philosophically, there's nothing wrong here. We think this answers a lot of questions, although there's still a lot more to be answered. Whew. I'm tired, man. <laughs> I know. A lot, of, a lot of moves being made. And as much as I like to look at spreadsheets, uh, this is the kind of thing that can be a little exhausting. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm out of breath here from working on their spreadsheets so much. Not, not literally. Please don't call my doctor or anything. But, uh, <laughs> but it is a lot of moving parts that we've had in the last few nights. Better, better get yourself checked out. Okay, now back to the real business of baseball, figuring out how guys are going to slot into rosters once they come back from the disabled list. Chad Durbin's one of them. He's coming back from the DL, but we're not exactly excited about bringing him to Major League Baseball quite yet. So we discuss what we're going to do with him. Is it time for him to come to the Phillies, or maybe he can stick in a rehab assignment for a little bit? How do we play the bullpen now that we have Jesse Crane in it, and maybe there's more moves we have to make? I don't know. Maybe we can see how his rehab... Uh, appearances go before we decide i mean he's rated 25 overall so it's not you know he's not a world beater or anything like that um we have a couple guys who are that lowly rated or you know the same as him so um maybe we could swap one of them out instead but he wouldn't be a, a terrible loss you know if we got rid of him um instead of one of them but um but maybe we could see how the rehab goes and then decide from there I think that's fair. I mean, he's got 11.17 ERA this year. He has a 2.59 whip. He's pretty bad. Uh, 10.2 walk per nine, 5.6 K per nine. These are like totally out of the norm for Chad Durbin. So maybe he was just going through something. Hopefully he can come back fine. 
it was elbow tendonitis, so it's possible that this is going to lead to something worse, and maybe we should not rush him. But if like as an exercise to look at the bullpen at this moment, who was your first guy out if we needed to make that move? Well, let's see. We've got, um, you know, it's, it might surprise you to hear me say it, but Brad Lidge is, in my mind, uh, you know, he doesn't have the longest leash in the world. His ERA right now is 10.29. Uh, and he's got the highest ERA uh, in our bullpen, other than the newly acquired Jesse Crean. Um, we have, you know, Rodrigo Lopez hasn't done well as a starter, but I think that in the bullpen he might uh, have more success. We have, I don't, I don't even recognize his name, Rod Hamas Liz. Yeah, we picked him up because we had all the injuries of the bullpen a couple weeks ago. Right. Okay. So I, I must have been napping that day, and not doing a very good job of my job. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so so he might be one of the first ones out too because his ERA is also five sixty six, and like you said, he, we we picked him up as kind of a filler to to have an arm there. So so we have options if we do need to make room for someone else. We have a few guys who we could get rid of without shedding any tears. I think. Yeah, I think Madsen's pitched actually pretty well for everything told. Channel Park's been decent too. Um, Kyle Kendrick is smoke and mirrors, but it's a decent smoke and mirrors at this point. Lopez, I mean, he's sort of a long relief guy. I mean, he's actually being used in middle relief, but he's sort of the guy that we need to rely on if someone gets hurt. Liz is probably the first guy that I would probably send out with that. But Lidge, I think you're right. He does have an option left, or he actually has two left. So it's possible we move him to Lehigh Valley. I don't know if he'd want to move to Lehigh Valley. Uh, he's getting $12 million this year, so it'd be hard to move that contract. Uh, I don't know. And he's got four years left on the contract, too. It's insane. Yeah, the Lidge contract might become problematic down the road if it isn't already. So if we do hold on to him, it will it will probably be because we're so desperate to get value out of that contract that you hold on and just kind of hope that you can get, you know, that you can get something out of him instead of just cutting him and paying $12 million to essentially a ghost at that point. The next issue we have to tackle is third base, which is a major hole right now in our team. Look at Greg Dobbs. He's the guy who's right now starting for us most of the time, and that's because Charlie Manuel likes his offense. His offense hasn't been good. He's slugging in the 300s right now, which is not acceptable. Otherwise, he's a pretty mediocre player at best. I mean, most of the time he's well below average. Meanwhile, Pedro Feliz, who started much of last year and was a hero in the World Series, is on the bench and not getting a lot of playing time. And because of that, Felice is upset. He wants out of Philadelphia. So we have to talk about the situation. We were introduced to the situation some days ago, and we still haven't done anything about it, but now it's time to talk. So Pedro Felice is not getting a lot of time. He has 35 plate appearances. FYI, Eric Bruntlett is five this season. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for showing up, Bruntlett. He hasn't had a hit yet. But I mean, like, I mean, Charlie Emanuel's got to play him. Like, yeah, somebody's got to need a day off somewhere in there. And Jimmy Rollins is not hitting well right now. So, anyways, um, Feliz is hitting 250 with a 314 OBP and a 250 slug. So he's getting on base okay. He has, I mean, this is paltry, but three walks to three strikeouts. Whoop de do. 250 slugging percentage. So he's not hitting the ball for any extra base hits whatsoever. In fact, he has none. So there's not really much of a sample size to go off of. He does play good defense, of course. We all know that. Greg Dobbs has all the samples. 118 plate appearances. He's hitting 202, 282 OBP, 337 slug. 
And the 337 slug is only because he has three home runs in 118 plate appearances. He has five doubles, too. He has a 135 ISO, which is okay, but it's not anything to write home about. He looks like a bench player. He is a bench player. None of these guys are contributing as a starter right now. So what do you want to do? It, I, I'm, we tried to go with a Dobbs-Feliz, like asking Charlie Manuel to kind of play Feliz more by sort of moving the strategy a little bit. He's not really doing it. I don't know how far we want to go. I mean, right now, Felice has very little to no value. Dobbs might have a little value. I mean, it's not like Felice is getting, I think this is the last year of his contract. He's only getting $4.5 million. We could, we could try to move him for nothing. I, I don't know. What, what do you think? Well, can we force Charlie to start him for like at least two weeks or three weeks? Because at this point, he wouldn't be any worse than Dobbs, I don't think. It won't cost us anything, you know, like we're not losing value by starting Feliz instead if we can. And then at that point, maybe making a decision about a third baseman outside the organization or elsewhere in the organization. Okay, if we can try to talk to Charlie about playing Pedro more, then that's one thing. And I try some routes, but we don't really get anywhere. I do think that maybe a good idea is just to dangle Pedro Feliz into the world and see if anybody is interested in that third baseman who's pretty let me explain we could try it again though i don't know if it's going to change anything i don't know if anybody wants a mediocre op obp decent defense over the hill third baseman but we can find out well when you advertise him like that i don't know if they're going to want him i don't know if anybody's going to want this incredible (laughs) stout defensive gold glove power hitting obp of 380 third baseman that is just waiting to be plucked by somebody that's exactly right That sounds like him. Yeah, that is exactly who Pedro Feliz is. All right, let me make a call, see what we get. So I send the text out to a couple teams who are looking for third basemen, especially who don't have good third base production, that kind of thing. And the Marlins are the worst team in baseball at third base, actually worse than us. They get back to me. Yeah, the Marlins would only be interested if we add someone like Dominic Brown to the deal or Jeremy Ellickson or something like that. Now pass. (laughs) <laughs> so what if we think about this from a different perspective, right? So we're, we're thinking about this right now because Felice is unhappy. He's our player. We want our players to be happy. Um, but what if we think about it as, uh, you know, a business instead of as us trying to please people? Um, so what is the solution that we have in mind to our third base problem? You know, are there other players that we could slot in there? Like forgetting the fact that Felice is unhappy. Uh, let's like if we look at third base as being a problem in our lineup, how else can we solve it? Without going outside of the organization, just in general, just you know, just any possible kind of uh, solution that we have, because it's true. I mean, both of these guys have been bad for us, and the reason we're we're kind of scrutinizing over it is that, is that Felice is unhappy. But even if we move him then we still don't make third base any better. We look inside the organization, and let me just be clear here, there is nobody in the organization that works. Cody Overbeck is maybe the best third baseman right now playing in 2009, and he's not really a prospect. He's not going to make up any lost production that we don't have from Pedro Feliz and Greg Dobbs right now. We do have Brian Dozier, obviously, who we just traded for, and can play third base, but we don't want to bring up a double-A infielder who's still in development to just come into the 2009 lineup and play every day we need to start thinking about outside options we need to look at other teams so 
we start that process. Okay, the offseason is here. Yeah, the Phillies may have had a tough 2017 season, but now the real fun begins. How are the Phillies going to supplement their 2017 roster to create a team that could even contend for 2018? Well, we have it all at philliesnation.com. Over the next few weeks, we're going to give you some reviews of the 2017 season, a look ahead at the offseason, see what holes the Phillies have to plug, and looking at some of the players that we might want to bring in for the 2018 year and beyond. Giancarlo Stanton, Christian Yelich. When the big rumors drop and when the big news hits, we're going to be there as well. Not just with the news, but with commentary that's smart and with opinion that is measured. We're going to give you everything you need to know so that when you have your discussion with your family members about if John Carlos Stanton should be a Philly or not, or if that outfielder that we bring in is going to help the team as the fourth outfielder, you're going to be prepared. PhilliesNation.com is the place for Phillies news, rumors, information, opinion, and more. Go today, PhilliesNation.com. Welcome back to Playing the Rube. Okay, so we start talking about third base finally. What is the long-term future of this position? And what do we want so that we can improve on what we have currently? We don't know. So, of course, we begin talking. Do we do we need team control here? Do we want team control? I think it would be preferred. But, you know, but maybe not. I mean, if it's an affordable short-term deal... Um, then even if it's just for the remainder of this season or for this season and next season, um, you know, cheap, it, it's fine. I think that, that in that case it would be okay to not have, like, a prospect type um, and just have a guy who can play capable defense as kind of like a – or, or uh, uh, capable baseball as kind of a stopgap until we do have a prospect. Okay, then I'll keep contract years uh, what they are right now, which is everything. Defense. <laughs> we, we want a good defensive third baseman. Uh, preferably, I mean, maybe yeah. we could just start with overall, and that's fine too. Um, you know, and, and and I mean, I'm not trying to like micromanage you or anything like that at this <laughs> point. I feel I feel like I, I feel very bossy so far today. No, it's um, okay. I want you to take the lead on this one. You you're you're the one kind of in the lead here with the third base stuff. Okay, yeah, that's my specialty, I guess. No, um, yeah, but you, you uh, never get home. <laughs> you only get to third base. <laughs> It becomes clear that we don't know what exactly we want out of third base, so I decide to let Dan take the lead on the situation. Maybe he's got a clearer picture than I do as to what we're looking for. So he first asks, well, what's on the trading block right now? And there is somebody. One, Eric Hinsky. You may remember him from the 2008 World Series, the guy that Brad Lidge struck out to win the World Series in the ninth inning in Game 5. Remember Eric Hinsky? Well, he's available. Let me help you out a little bit here. His BABIP is only 211, which is criminally low for him. Usually he has a BABIP up in the high 200s, um, and it's actually kind of erratic, but it never gets under 250. So I think there is more to the story. I think he is just having a bad start to the year. Um, I just know that Feliz is on the wrong end of his career right now, and it doesn't look like he's going to get that back. And Dobbs is not a starter. It, I just He's not a starter. I don't know why Charlie Emanuel is trying to make him one, but he's not a starter. Um, and if there's anything else here, I don't, I'm trying to find any other stats that tell me that, no, this is actually you know much better play than you think. I mean, I do think we'd be buying low on him, too. So the Pirates have been dangling him for a while. Um, the reason why they're trying to trade him 
now this is going to hurt is disruptive influences. Yeah, that is problematic. Our our clubhouse morale is already so poor just as a result of losing, and you don't want to get that to uh, you know you don't want to you don't want to sink too low in, in the wrong direction with that. So and and in fact that's kind of part of why we're even considering uh, how to deal with Pedro Fleas in the first place is because if he's unhappy, you don't want him to be making other people around him unhappy too. Yeah, so I feel like this team after losing Victorino would need. You know, a fresh, spark-pluggy, just-go-getter kind of guy because this is a clubhouse that has won, and now they're seeing, like, a lot of turmoil and change, and it'd be nice to have someone come in and say, hey, it's all good. Um, Johnny Gomes kind of is that kind of guy, but it'd be nice to have someone else. I don't know. Hinsky would be decent if – I mean, if he turned it around and hit a bunch of home runs, it'd be great, but I think we'd be risking – more than we'd like for him. Sounds weird because it's only 1.5 million. Yeah, I mean, but it's so. The funny thing is that when you're building a team, it's not just the money, right? Yeah, so it's yeah. also these personality things. It's also who you're taking playing time from. You know, it's also what you're giving up to get him in the first place. So it's all these negotiations that are happening beneath the surface. Um, so he is a guy that I wanted to talk about. At least, you know, because he's an interesting option. I don't know if he's the right option. He's certainly not a, a layup, you know, or, or anything definite. Yeah. Um, why don't we couch this for a day? Why yeah. don't we? Why don't we get into Cincinnati and maybe play a game here? Let's see what happens with Hellickson. Um, we can see what happens over the next series, maybe with Dobbs and Feliz. I don't know if that's going to really say much. Maybe we can go into the next series after that, but we could start to look at who might be available and match what we want over the next couple of days. How's that sound? That sounds good. And then, you know, another possibility too, is that when we, if we do end up trading more pieces, perhaps a third baseman is something that we could focus on getting back then, you know, the way we restocked our pitching so well, um, maybe thir- third base can be another area of focus if we do make more moves. So we're not sure yet, but we're starting the talks about third base. Okay. That's going to be it for the day. Nothing else to do. Let's move on. May 19th, 2009, the Phillies are 10-27. and 27. The team goes to Cincinnati, and in the morning, we get some news. First, good news. Good enough. Chad Durbin is back from the DL. I mean, that's good. It's a reliever, even though he's had a poor start to the year. But he's going to take his rehab assignment in Lehigh Valley, and we'll check up on him. And then we get some really bad news. Brian Dozier, the guy that we just traded for from Tampa Bay, he's injured. And it's not a good diagnosis. And now Chad Durbin is off the DL. So we're going to figure out what happens there. And the bad news comes in for Brian Dozier. It is bad news. It's a strained anterior cruciate ligament. So it's a six-week injury, which really sucks. Yeah, that's bad. I mean, we we need him to be developing and spending his time, you know, reaching his potential so that, uh, so that you know, in a few years, he, he is kind of that player that we hoped he could be. Um, and, and so it sucks to lose time, to, to lose that much time out of a season. Yeah, for sure. But um, it's six weeks, so he'll be back probably by early July or mid-July, and we can just see what he does the rest of the year in Reading and kind of move from there. Moving on to the first game of the series against Cincinnati, and it's a big one for us because Jeremy Hallickson, who we acquired from Tampa Bay, is on the mound in his first start as a Philly in the National League. He's going up against Matt Maloney. You may remember him from a 
Phillies. He was a prospect years before, and they traded him to Cincinnati. Remember that deal? Yes, exactly. Anyways, Hellickson is in there, and, well, we're excited. Jeremy Hellickson is coming to the National League with a 1.62 ERA, and it's going to be fun to see what he does here. I think we should at least just watch his start and see what he does and see if the team can kind of rally around this new breed of pitching. Maybe we'll get a nice win here to start the series. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, it's feeling like kind of a, a whole new team here, really, with all the, the new pitching that we have. Would you say it's a whole new world? Um, I, w- I wouldn't, but some some might. Some might. Yes. So Dobbs is in the starting lineup, so Charlie Manuel continues to just do what he wants to do there. And the lineup is what it is. Rollins, Gomes, Utley, Howard, Worth, Abanez, Ruiz, Dobbs, Hellickson. It's a pretty good-looking lineup on paper. And then you look at their numbers, and it's not as good a lineup. Yeah, and fortunately, now that we have Gomes in that spot, him in the two in the two hole at least makes sense to me. It's so much better than when it was like Corey Sullivan in there or whoever it was for a little while uh, in the two hole while Victorino was hurt. Um, I'll at least take Johnny Gomes in there. Yeah. So the game starts out really well. Hellickson's pitching good in the beginning, and the Phillies start scoring a lot. This is something very new for us. There's a base hit for Rollins. Ruiz is coming home. He's going to score. It's four nothing. And I know it's early in this game still, but you, I would have thought that more games would have felt like this so far for us. Yeah. You know, a lot of guys getting on base, a lot of, you know, base runners being moved up, runs coming in, but it seems like it just hasn't happened. So Hellickson only gave up one run into the sixth inning, and then he hit a little typical Phillies trouble. All right, so some not great stuff happening here. Greg Dobbs, of course, overthrew a play. That allowed for a runner to get the second, and then he got home on a single, and now we have runners at first and second with one out. Ah, oh, boy. So, and a three-run home run for Kevin Barker. Not good. Uh, Hellickson was pitching so well. Are you sure that we haven't been cursed in some way? We've got it. I, yeah, it's probably true. Have you angered any spirits or phantoms or anything recently? No, other than Colby Lewis, I've been totally dry. <laughs> he might have powers beyond what we're aware of. Somehow, Hellickson, uh, I guess it's four earned runs against Hellickson there, which kind of stinks, but he got through the se- he got through the sixth. Howard yeah, leads- and we, st- we still do have the lead, so um, if we could hold on to that and get a win out of this, that'd be good. And it's not a terrible start. It's not entirely his fault. Okay, so Hellickson goes six. We figured that's a pretty good start for him. Yeah, four runs, but it's not the end of the world. Oh, wait a sec. He comes back out for the seventh inning because Charlie Manuel likes to run his starters into the ground. Well, how does he do? He gets one out, and he just struck out Jay Bruce. That's a nice recovery. 96 pitches, Edwin Encarnacion at the plate. Struck him out. Good. All right, good. So that's a that's a good start. I mean, I don't like the four runs, but it's not entirely his fault. You know, even though I think, what was it, only one was unearned and then four earned runs? Yeah. Um, but, you know, once you're pitching from the stretch, uh, things change a little bit. So, uh, so if that play was made, it might have been entirely different. Seven innings, six strikeouts, and a walk for Alex, and he also hit a batter, so. But pretty good. I, I'm I'm okay with that start, actually. He went seven. That's great. You need more seven-inning starts for these guys. The Phils hold the lead in the eighth inning. You know what that means. All right, ninth inning. 
Bradledge time. Yay. So good. Looper in the short right. Eric Bruntlett in there in right field makes the catch. <laughs> Corey Sullivan's uh, in center field. Uh, so we have some defensive replacements here. Two outs, ground ball to Lidge. She got him out. And here is, oh, Joey Votto. Walked him. Here's Jay Bruce. Runner at first, two down in the ninth. 90% win probability. Walked him. Here's Encarnacion. Come on, man. Come on. It, do- it doesn't feel like 90%, does it? Come on. Come on. Two and two. Struck him out. Game over. All right. So that ended up being a lot more stressful than I thought it would be. <laughs> Just a little, man. Halleck's in seven innings, nine hits, five runs, four earned, six walks, or excuse me, six strikeouts, one walk, 100 pitches even. He was fine. I think he was fine. Um, Yeah, it was fine. And keep in mind, too, keep in mind, too, that really the appeal of of these pitchers that we got, all of them, and we said this already, is that they still have so much room to improve even. So Hellickson's a 45 pitcher now. He can go up to 55. Um, which is, you know, a little bit better than average, about average. But then Casimir might go up to 70. David Price might hit 65, you know. So um, so th- this start here is a good enough start, but it's also a sign of good things to come, too. Did you miss the Phillies Nation podcast last week? Well, it was a big doozy of a podcast. Yes, we had Matt Breen on the show from Philly.com, the Inquirer, and the Daily News to talk about the 2017 Phillies. He gave us his thoughts on what the season was like and what the Phillies might do in the offseason. We also gave out grades to all the players who performed in 2017. Yes, even you, Ty Kelly. Goodbye, Ty Kelly. And we look forward to 2018. What moves should the Phillies make in 2018? Should they upgrade in a big way or a small way or any way at all? We tackle all that in the Phillies Nation podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn, and YouTube.com slash Phillies Nation. The Phillies Nation podcast comes out every two weeks on Monday. Listen today. May 20th, 2009. The Phillies are 11 and 27. Time for game two of the series against the Reds. No time for talking about third baseman. We're going to put that aside for now. Let's just talk about who the starters are for this one. Aaron Harang for the Reds against Brett Myers, the forgotten starter with a 4.95 ERA. So this will go swimmingly, I'm sure. It always does, doesn't it? It's a 5-3 to three loss. And in this one, the Reds came back, which sucks. There was a we actually had a we scored three runs in the eighth inning to make it three to two, and then the Reds scored three runs off of Brad Lidge. Brad Lidge, you're killing me. Again. We might we might need to make a move in the next day or two here. Chad Durbin. How is Chad Durbin doing? Has he played yet in Lehigh Valley? He has 2.1 innings in Lehigh Valley, so they've already put him to work. He has a 7.71 ERA. You know, like you do. 
So he's he's really making it possible for him to come right back to Philadelphia. <laughs> he's just trying to get back into game form. Unfortunately for our relievers, game form is hot garbage. May 21st, 2009. The Phillies are 11-28. and 28. And the hot garbage Phillies continue their series against the Cincinnati Reds with the final game, a day contest, and at least we have our best pitcher on the hill. We have Cole Hamels on the hill today, so this might be a good chance to win a series? Let's see. I, yeah, I mean, whenever Cole Hamels is starting, I'm just eager to see how it goes. Good. Oh, we also got some good news, by the way. Kyle Drebeck did clear waivers. Okay. We figured he would, but it's just nice to have that confirmation. Yeah. So he's going to go back to Lakewood where he's pitching very well and we don't have to worry about any problems there. Good deal. We'll make sure that he is in the starting rotation there too. He has a 2.90 ERA in 40 innings, so he might actually get a call up pretty soon. All right. Hamels against Homer Bailey with a 6.55 ERA. Let's win a series. Let's do it. Do you think we will? How do you feel about it? You think we will? We did not. <laughs> Three to two loss. If there's one thing I didn't think that we'd have to worry about this season, it was the offense. I thought for sure we'd be scoring six runs every day. And this time, we had a 2 nothing lead into the eighth, and the Reds scored three against Cole Hamels. So he might have just been in there too long. 108 pitches. Yeah, not too bad, but still. I mean, you know, you could yank him at the first sign of trouble once you hit the eighth, once you're over 100 pitches or whatever. <sighs> I mean, there's no confidence in our bullpen, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, if you only need two innings out of him, you can get Madsen in there and maybe, uh, you know, Chan Ho Park or, or maybe Jesse Crane will have a good outing. Yeah, I don't think Jesse Crane has seen the light of day yet, which is nice. Is is Charlie aware that he's there? Because you never you know, you really never know. Um no. No. He <laughs> he probably thinks he's Mike Zagurski. Obviously we have problems in the bullpen, we have problems with the manager, and now I might have problems with the assistant general manager who's starting to get a little sad. If we cut Pedro Feliz, I will just go with him. You won't notice, right? Why would you go with him? <laughs> because I am sad inside. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, it's fine. We're looking toward next year if we have to. Yeah, we're looking toward next year. We have to talk about third base, and the talks will start ramping up again about that. But at the same time, we also have to talk about this year. The bullpen continues to have problems. We need to address that. I start kind of spitballing, but I already know what I want to do. I think there's still more we have to do here. So the bullpen ERA is the worst in the league. I think we still need to figure that out. And it probably starts with Brad Lidge. So I think tomorrow, when we go to New York, we should probably talk about, is there a Brad Lidge move that we have to make? I don't know what the hell that is, but we got to figure out something here. Playing the Rube is a Phillies Nation podcast. Find Playing the Rube by searching for the Phillies Nation podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn, YouTube.com slash PhilliesNation, and Apple Podcasts. Playing the Rue comes out every two weeks on Fridays, alternating with the Phillies Nation podcast. My thanks to BenSound.com for the music, Brian Michael, the executive producer and the founder of PhilliesNation.com, and to my cohort in training and in practice, Dan Walsh. 
We'll be back in two weeks. I'm playing the Rube to talk more about third base options, Brad Lidge, and, well, a lot more losing. Maybe some winning. Probably more losing. Catch you next time. <laughs>